Hello, hello. This is another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, the radically authentic brand strategist and founder of Defy the Status Quo. Today with me, I have Jess Hunnichen and Emily Ward from Shine PR and Shine Influencers. And they are here to talk about influencer marketing and the misconceptions and basically the real deal with what's going on and what people in the business space can expect. So if you did not catch their episode from last week, they told us how Shine PR and Shine Influencers came to life and how they formed their partnership and even how they work with both their talent and their clients. So be sure to go back and listen to last week's episode. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Jess, Emily, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be back. So with this episode, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it so we can spend as much of the time we have. Really, I mean, for me, why I love these episodes is because I get an opportunity to watch other people be in their element. It's like that um, trite Facebook posts that keeps running around in the Facebook groups. What could you talk about nonstop for 40 minutes? And it's like, yeah, well, I have guests who could actually do that. But you know, we, we, t- we keep it shorter than 40 minutes. And I wish they'd stop asking that question. But that's a whole other episode. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you is what do you feel and, it, and maybe you guys have different ones. So feel mm-hmm. free to to differ, of course. But what do you feel is the misconception that you come across most often as leaders in the influencer marketing industry? I was gonna say, I think that um, that people think it's easy. Like I, I think that, you know, people who don't understand the creator space, the, the social talent space look at some of the talent and think that they just kind of, you know, walk around and try on clothes and post about it and post selfies and that they get paid a ton. And it's just, it's not that at all. And there is such a difference between the talent who perform well and who can really have like the power to like push a sales message forward or to like advise people or to draw people in on an education message that they're trying to share or a mission message that they're trying to share. That is a very, very different like skill than somebody who is just playing around on social. Um, and it's not easy. They put a, our creators like put a ton of time, a ton of work into developing their content, but also to like analyzing what works for their community or not and for staying current and relevant and for, you know, um, interacting with their community. It's not easy. And like, we're so proud of the talent who we represent Mm -hmm. um, because we really do have such a high uh, vetting process because we know how to weed through the talent who are out there who are just more playing versus the ones who are sophisticated and know how to perform as part of like a marketing message. 
I was uh, I was going to say the exact same thing. So that's probably why we both started the sentence at the same time. Uh, but I think <laughs> on uh, on the same subject, like kind of looking more inward, like at the agency, I think a lot of people think that the talent management agency job is really easy as well. And they're like, oh, you just like chat to brands and lock it in. You get the talent to do it and the talent do it and that's easy. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot that has gone into building shine and to building shine to the the place that it is. And, and our team is such a big part of it. And, and it's really interesting to watch now, especially as we have team members who, you know, have, have been with us for a good few years and have developed into like really amazing leaders within this space. And, and I think it's challenging because they make it look easy, mm-hmm. but they work really, really hard. Um, so I think that's, you know, like, and, and the talent probably don't see that as well. It might be a bit of a misconception that the talent find that like, oh, the talent management job is really easy. And I think it almost like speaks to how well the team do it when they can make it look so easy and seamless. So it's kind of like that analogy of like a duck like gliding across water and then underwater, their legs are going a mile a minute. Right, right. Um, I would say it's like very similar to that. So they're very skilled at making things look like smooth and easy and on the back end, they're stomping out fires. But uh, yeah, it's a really like varied skill set. And I think, you know, at Shine, like we have a whole training system in terms of like how like we train and coach like our our team members. But it it is hard to find the right people at first. It it takes us a very long time to find new team members to come on board because uh, talent managers need to understand the marketing side and be educated in terms of that whole storytelling Mm -hmm. um, and and marketing messages, key messages and and understanding how to, to push that through. But they also they also need to understand personal branding and they need to understand sales because they are selling for their talent. So it's pretty rare that you are educated in a way that you're doing marketing and sales. Like they usually kind of are writing in silos. But in this particular position, you're doing both. Yes, that's actually that's what I was gonna say in terms of it being easy on either side. Anybody who's ever made a TikTok, and so in my case, in my on my phone, when my phone goes to 15%, it hits low battery mode and I'm working on a TikTok, it erases everything. It erases all my edits. It is the worst. Every single time it happens, it it's like if it's a really long one, I will actually be like, I can't even look at this right now. I'm gonna have to come back tomorrow to finish. Totally. You see the ones where like the like there's someone like walking down the street and with each step like an outfit changes. Yeah. And like it th- again, they make it look flawless and like so simple. Like you're just walking down the street. But I'm like, like we know looking at that, we're like that was six outfit changes like on the side of the road in the car or something like that. Like getting the photography and the videography like perfect so that like those transitions are so seamless. Like they take like it would take like five hours to film a yes. 50 second TikTok. Like that's pretty wild when you think about it. Right. Like, yeah. Or the ones where they do the skits and they've got the different outfits and the makeup and things wow. like that's, that's not, that's not easy at all. When mm-hmm. I do the ones where I have outfit changes, I will literally create a draft and then just wait for a day where I'm wearing a, the outfit that I want to wear. Like, so I don't even plan it out, but then I don't get paid for that. So yeah. I'm just, I just, I don't even plan <laughs> it out that way. So that's definitely not easy. But on the other side, being an entrepreneur, like when you're like, oh, well, talent management, that must be easy talking to brands. But as soon as you said that, that's exactly what I heard. I heard sales, sales. Mm -hmm. And then again, like the personal brand side, because you're a talent management, you know, that's, that's your specialty. You have to look the part. Mm -hmm. That's what people are, are expecting when they're talking to you. So, I mean, but 
just the sales piece alone, that is like the top like trouble, I would say, that most even entrepreneurs have is like, oh, I'm I'm not making sales the way I want to. So, you know, and for uh-huh. any person who's on who's talent, right, who would be the influencer, mm-hmm. they just have to reflect back and think, okay, well, how easy was it for you to find and then also secure those opportunities on your own. If that wasn't easy for you, then just because other people are able to do it and bring opportunities to you mm-hmm. does not mean that it's easy for them. You, you can't degrade or downplay their skills yeah. just because they have worked on those skills and can do it and you struggle to do it. Oh, it's easy for them. No, don't minimize their skill set. Be grateful yeah. for it instead. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm all like, don't minimize, don't minimize, right? Like don't minimize yourself. Don't minimize other people. Just be grateful, whether it's your own skills or someone else's and be happy to be on the, be on the team or, or maybe, you know, maybe it's, they want to be on the team and then they talk about how easy it is. I don't know. Yeah. But fantastic. Okay. So this is the big one. And I'm really excited that I get to ask y'all this question because of how much you've already demonstrated, like everything that you know, and it's been very insightful thus far, but return on investment. Mm -hmm. When I'm, whether it's like really small businesses trying to work with up and coming influencers or even really large businesses watching, you know, watching influencers try to launch their own merchandise and having those types of things fail because their following is inflated with fake followers, all the things, right? How do you demonstrate that return on investment for your clients? It's a really interesting one because I will say, so, you know, we've, we've been growing this for six years now. And I would say in the first two to three-ish years, that was the number one question we got. We couldn't leave a meeting without someone being like, but how do you prove ROI? And then it really just like fell off a ledge. Like it, like I would say almost no one asks that anymore. It's like brands and agencies just kind of know that like influencer marketing has to be a part of their communication strategy. But that said, like, of course, ROI is, is important. And I think it's, it's important for us to highlight that, you know, anything in the marketing, publicity, communication space, at the end of the day, it's all trial and testing. Like mm-hmm. it's like, None, none of these things are guaranteed. Like if you're putting billboards up over every highway across the country, like we can't, you know, we can't measure exact ROI on that. Same thing with a television or a radio commercial. So this really like it, you know, we look at it as a piece of the marketing pie and it's almost like, we talk about this a lot. It almost becomes somewhat a detriment to us that we have so much access to data now that like we we measure and we analyze data on such a micro scale that we're looking exactly at every single piece of content, like how many swipe ups, how many likes, how many saves. Like when you think about a radio ad, for example, like you'd buy at least like a hundred radio spots over a course of, you know, a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like in no other way would you analyze content and ROI based on like every single individual radio ad you wouldn't be like did we sell another car today like like based on that one one I know the micro data it's interesting and I think that's why at the beginning in the first couple years we got more 
um, questions and conversations about CRY because people didn't understand the microdata. Mm-hmm. So microdata, like saying like how you can look into the minutia of how many clicks came through on like that but swipe up. And I think the numbers didn't make sense compared to other things that um, marketers knew. So if we compare it to like a space that you know, Justin, I know very well, it's the PR space, right? So in PR, you would do wrap reports, you would be looking at like the readership of a publication, you would not be told how many readers read that exact article right. that your client was mentioned in. You would never be told we that. You could never that. be told it's that. Weird. You would never know. No- but you were told the impression numbers, the reach number of that magazine, which maybe was like 250,000. So when people started using influencers as a marketing tactic and they were comparing these numbers of like, well, when I did a PR campaign, I was getting millions of impressions and you know mm-hmm. like why am i going to be spending you know money even if it's half the amount of budget on influencers but only getting like three clickers so i think um that was like a bit of the confusion at that period of time so now in terms of proving roi there's lots of different things i think we understand the different behaviors that are attached to different metrics a lot more so where there might be a campaign and you can see like click throughs and swipe ups and there's different tracking mechanisms that can track a sale there. And that's one component, but we can also like uh, track things in terms of like saves. Like if somebody is saving an Instagram mm-hmm. story, like that's a high quality interaction. That means that they want to go back and re-reference that to maybe buy it at another time or to look into it, you know, more now. So like there's things like that. If they're, you know, clicking like on like the sticker tab like so if they're actually clicking through to the brand then like they're highly engaged in terms of that content and wanting to know more they are a qualified um, consumer purchase at some point in time Mm -hmm. so i feel like we understand the microdata and we can we can educate like our our clients in a different way um, than we could a couple years ago so there wasn't there wasn't as much like experience for sure and i think now like we can look at that and like we we know the analytics that it it takes to or the touch points, I should say, that it takes to convert a consumer to a customer or a client. So like we know that, you know, like where years and years ago you might have needed, someone would have needed to see something seven times before they were motivated to make a purchase. That number keeps climbing and climbing. Like now Mm -hmm. it's more like 16 to 20 times they need to see it. So I think it's important. And again, that's where it comes back to like looking at this as part of like a whole strategy and communication strategy because like, yes, are there some influencers who will like instantly convert? Absolutely. And like, there's things that we can, there's different like tactics and things like that, that we can use to ensure that some influencers also might be like the first touch point, or maybe they're the 10th the touch point, but someone just needed a few more. You know what I mean? So it's, it is really hard to like analyze and get into like that. That's where I come back to like that micro data of it, because like, if there's the three of us, right, someone could see it on my page and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Then they see it on Emily's like, oh, yeah, everyone seems to be talking about this. Then they sit on yours, Ruthie, and they're like, you know what, I'm buying this, right? So like, that's like, if we were looking at that as an influencer campaign, you'd get like the gold star and you'd be like, okay, Ruthie had like one conversion. Emily and I would get none, but we were a part of that path to purchase. But there's like, you know, of course, like we don't have like the exact data to like, to measure that, or maybe they saw it on yours and then they're like, you know what, I'm going to go into the store and I'm going to try that on. So, so none of us got it's it, though, though we were all involved in that process. So that's like, you know, and I feel like back like in PR, like days, like, I feel like, I mean, we were evaluated like based on like 
quarter on quarter like sales yeah. growth, you know? So I feel like it, 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 I don't think anybody was able to like exactly mark down the one interaction that made like the yeah, sale, right. but they knew that the items that they chose to invest in, in terms of like their marketing plan over that quarter or that year, did it boost sales from the previous you know period or not? And I think like those are the kinds of conversations that we do try to encourage clients like to look at and to be looking like at all of the data that they can. So you're going to get like some um, information from the analytics that we provide, but you can also get like some information in terms of like, was there a boost in your website traffic overall during the period of time or the following period after you did a heavy influencer push because that shows a reaction. Yeah. And there's some really fun things that we can do to kind of like I don't want to say manipulate the, the results. Like that's absolutely the wrong word, but they're like, we've done this for a long time. So like, I'll give you like an example that we're working on right now. So we're working with like an athleisure company to like design some, like a capsule collection The influencers would come in that each kind of design their own like set of workout wear. And we're kind of like, okay, so like, how are we going to make sure that this is really successful? And this is an example where like, where like both Emily and I like heavily involved in like the strategy piece. So that doesn't Mm -hmm. always happen, of course, but with this one, we're like, okay, so for the talent, like let's make sure that like they take their audience, like along the design process. So like when it comes time for them to purchase and this product is released, they feel like they were a part of it. They're like, Oh, I helped us. Like, they would be like, I voted on having a pocket at the knee, you know, like, <laughs> I voted on that. Like, I, like I, I help create this, like I help bring this to life. So because of that, they're heavily invested in the product and the success of the product. So when it is released, they're going to be like, yeah, I want that because like, I was kind of a part of it, you know? So like mm-hmm. there's things that we can do like that, that again, that's where Em and I get like really excited because we're like, we know we know so much about this space and, and that's by nature of working like exclusively in it for six years. And with that, we're like, we know things that we can do to ensure the success of a campaign. So that's, it's nice to be able to kind of like flex those creative and very strategic muscles and have it directly impact the success of a a product launch or a campaign. That's really exciting. Yeah. I, um, that is something I, I say, uh, so being in the marketing space, one of the other sets of entrepreneurs I talk with a lot are the sales entrepreneurs, the ones who may do like sales coaching, consulting, they may outsource. And I'll tell them, I was like, man, it must it must be so easy talking ROI with your clients. And like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're literally tied to the dollar signs. Like we generated X amount of dollars. Like, <laughs> right? Like we closed this many or or I coached you and then you went out and closed this many number of new clients or whatever it is. I was like, well, marketing, it's it's a lot harder to, yeah. you know, it's like it's, you know, you need it, but everybody can be a bit hesitant and understand. It's yeah. like, but but when it works, it works. And and you know, and, and of course you guys have you have both built up the reputation, right? Like Shine has a reputation now too. So mm-hmm. it's I think that that's the other side. Uh, you got it more in the beginning because you know, you know, the understanding wasn't there, right? Understanding of the data and the difference between a PR campaign and an influencer campaign. But then also you just ended up with the reputation of like they know what they're doing. And let's, let's like, you know, it's, it would be, you know, an honor for someone to work with you in that case, right? Out of the other people that you could take on, the other companies you could take on, they get to work with you and get the types, they want the results that you've already demonstrated you can get. And so I think that's 
that's yeah, a big piece. Thank you for that. And like, I think we've like, we've tried like very, very hard, like over the years to differentiate ourselves by the way, the fact that we are like a strategic influencer, you know, marketing uh, and talent management associate or company that we bring that strategy side. And that because Jess and I don't come into this through talent management and we come into this like from our PR and marketing backgrounds, that that skill level mm-hmm. is shared amongst our team and gives a higher level of resource to the clients that we work with. That's fantastic. And it's so funny. Every time you say seven years ago, like 2015, six years ago, seven years ago, I still feel like 2015 was like three years ago. I know. I it's know. so it, weird. It I got just- out of the army in 2015. So you keep saying it. And I'm like, it's been that long. Really? Yeah. Like really? It feels yeah. like I was still like just there just a couple years yeah. ago. And that's not the case. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. That was fantastic. And Thank you very much for that. I know influencer marketing, probably a lot like social media marketing in general, probably is still fighting a stigma, really, when compared with some of the other marketing approaches, just because there there are, you know, like in any space, there are unethical things that go on, dishonest things that go on. But you both and Shine are definitely like a a you know candle in the darkness a beacon on the shore in terms of of quality and ethics and integrity so this was just a wonderful opportunity to speak with you both uh so thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much thank you uh, that's such a kind uh, a kind way to leave this chat i'm like oh that's so nice i just want to keep chatting i uh it was a pleasure so before we go on a personal level which social media platform is your favorite? Ooh, I'm like on a big clubhouse bender right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to search for you. <laughs> I, uh, I am, obs- my team, like the team is like, will you stop talking about clubhouse? Like it's ridiculous. But I'm no. like, oh, chat. my fiance is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in the club. Like, don't <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah. I like, and I think as like, right now like we're all suffering kind of that like COVID fatigue and what I love about it is like I spent hours and hours and hours a day on Zoom like with my face being like on like I love that like I can like jump on and do like be in a really great like intellectual clubhouse room panel thing and like I literally like just stepped off like the my peloton and like I'm like sweaty you know what I mean like yeah I like I can't do that on any other I can't step into like a, like a serious meeting that like it's fun like on any other platforms so like it's I just love it I feel like it's so it's so I'm having like a lot of fun with it very true all right what about you <laughs> Um, well, professionally, like we definitely know the Instagram mm-hmm. space, like the best, like that's, that's where we've really kind of, um, what we've sunk our teeth into, uh, personally, most recently I've like picked up my love again, like for Pinterest. I think it's because I moved recently. And then before that I was, um, helping my boyfriend fill a house in, up in Collingwood from scratch. I feel like I was back on Pinterest pulling mm-hmm. different ideas and fun stuff like that and then we've been using it again like even like internally um with work we're just pulling together like different boards of different ideas and it's kind of renewed my love for it we did um like a wonderful uh webinar with our talent oh gosh was that like two years yeah, ago was, now is it that long? Yeah. 
it doesn't feel like that long. <laughs> but we learned all of these amazing tips and tricks in terms of using Pinterest to drive uh, website mm-hmm. traffic and even traffic to your Instagram account, like to like to drive like different kinds of links that I thought was fascinating and seeing like the immediate response in growth that our talent who implemented yeah. some of these tips and had, it was, it was pretty wild. Cause usually when you make changes to like hyperlinks and such, it takes a while for them to actually have, have an right. effect with the tools that we learned on Pinterest. It was immediate and it was a really like amazing underrated tool. So yeah, I would say Pinterest right now is the one that, uh, that is exciting. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Emily, Jess. It has truly been a pleasure and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to when these episodes go live. So for anybody who's listening, please be sure to share this episode. I think it's really important in terms of talking about the, the ethics in the space and the honesty and integrity in this space. It can be found. And, you know, with an organization like Shine, you don't even have to, it's in the name, they're shining. So just just go where the light is and you will find what it is that you need. So just again, thank you so much. And all of your links will be in the show notes, absolutely. So everyone will know where to find you. And again, just thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.